Right now, you can decide in the biggest pro wrestling awards of the year, the Sports Kita Wrestling Awards. Check out this podcast feed for exclusives with some of the best names in the business from Eric Bischoff, Devon Dudley, and more giving their picks. And you can vote right now. SportsKita.com backslash wrestling dash awards. That's SportsKita.com backslash wrestling dash awards. Go vote now. So you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you want to make a podcast of your own. Well, Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast direct to Spotify. Everywhere else podcasts are heard as well. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And if you want to take the conversations of your fans to the next level, you can even do Q&As and polls direct through that same feed. Spotify for podcasters. Get it now. What's going on, everybody? This is the Wrestling Outlaws. I'm Dr. Chris Featherstone. You call me the sheriff, ladies and gentlemen, because I got two outlaws here. They got to keep the reins on and make sure that they don't get too chaotic, but I'm shooting. Week. I'm already shooting. Already, shooting. already shooting. I gotta get. I gotta get my 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 guns and my uh my 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 arsenal ready uh, for these outlaws. But you know, hey, look, they're they're here. They're they're more they're more vigilantes. They're more vigilantes. They're 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 on the good side. So we're heroic in a sense. Yes, I'll say any anytime you you get us together, it's it's like the end of uh Tombstone. You know, yeah, I'm Doc Holiday. Yes, indeed. He's indeed. Russell. Yep. Yep. Indeed. I'm I'm the former I'm the former WCW world champ. Yes, indeed. He is the former WCW yeah. world heavyweight champion. And Wait, as my yeah. friend Brock Bart would say, and a dead gum thing you can do about it. Let me let me put a poll on, even though I don't ever look at comments or anything at all online. If I were to bring my uncle Vince Russo onto a show I promoted, would it draw? Answer below in the comments. Mm, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'm sure that uh, there will be a lot of uh, people that would watch. You know, here's the thing. People talk about Vince Russo so much. But guess who's going to watch the show against the Vince Russo they can't stand? The same person who talks about Vince Russo is the same person who's going to watch the show when he comes in for EC3. So choke on that slap nuts is uh Jeff Jerry. Yes, go ahead, Beast. What was a slap nut? I still like after years and years and years and just die. I, I was I just saw a headline for one of his shows the other day where he explained the origins of that because yeah. I don't even know what that I I I have that was all his. I have no idea where he got it from. It, it was catchy. It was catchy. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Indeed. Uh, let's start off. Let's shoot from the hip. Uh, speaking of EC3, uh, shooting, let's shoot from the hip, ladies and gentlemen. So this is an interesting question. Uh, shout out to Riju who uh, posed this question. This is actually a pretty interesting question. How did you and AJ Styles get to keep uh, your name in WWE when Sami Zayn of course, known in the Indies as El Generico with the Brain Buster. Brain Buster. And, Kev- Brain Buster. 
And Kevin Owens, who, of course, Kevin Steen is his name. They had to change theirs. Like, what was the what was the rhyme and reason of y'all keeping y'all's, but them changing theirs? We'll start there. It's a two-parter. Yeah, for me personally, during a impact and seeing the constant swing of ownership and management, and God only knows, like I created myself as sort of a brand, mm-hmm. you know. And Ethan Carter the Third was Impact, but it was hearkened to EC3. So I just trademarked EC3 mm-hmm. because it's me. So I always knew I would have that to rely on and that brand and that name, and I can do anything with it outside of that. So I trademarked EC3 when I went to NXT. They they asked if they want to change the name or can we change the name? I'm like, I don't really want to. I mean, it's three characters. Like, it's easy to chant. It has recognition. You know, it's cool as hell. Uh, so they said, well, just throw some names on a list. And I said, okay. So to avoid changing the name, I put some of the worst possible names nice. on this list. Like, and they all had E and they all had C. And I think like at the top of the list was like Edgar Crushington. And they're just like, this is, this is whatever, just go ahead. So I think having that trademark and I came in at a different time when, you know, NXT was bringing in other people like Johnny Gargano stayed Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole stayed Adam Cole. I think when Generico and Steen came over, it was at the time they kind of went through FD, FCW to an extent. Hmm. And it was, it, it might've just been that John Laurinaitis was head of talent relations. And when I went over there, Triple H was hmm. wanted to keep it the same. So I don't think there was anything other than right place, right time for me. And I think the same with AJ, just because that name was so well known that yeah. it would be hard to change it. I don't know if he had a trademark. I assume he does. He's a smart I guy. think a couple of things with AJ. I mean, first of all, bro, I think when they brought it's tattooed on his body too. Yeah, it's tattooed on his body. That's a great point. But also I think, bro, when they brought him in, it was at a point where they really needed him. Yeah. And also I guarantee you that Bill Barron's probably worked his deal and that was part of it. But yeah, bro, remember when they brought AJ in, they they needed AJ at yeah. that point in time. It would have been stupid of them to change. And he was a pretty hot commodity at that yeah, time too. He was. Because, he was. Uh, you know, he was – he was a he was a TNA mainstay, uh, and then people were super shocked that uh, he actually was leaving TNA, and he rebranded himself and went to New Japan. Yep, that really really helped him. He didn't just kind of lay in the shadows and just wait for that WWE call. He actually earned his leverage by having those reps and ke- keeping his name out and branding. Now, if he would have been kind of in the shadows waiting for the call. He wouldn't have had that much leverage or as much leverage to when he was in, you know, the hottest name in New Japan at that time. He had the leverage to be like, look, no, I mean, I want to stay AJ Styles. I just came from AJ Styles. I've been AJ Styles, you know, AJ Styles. They were looking for that. They were looking for that Royal Rumble moment. Mm -hmm. And he came in the Royal Rumble and debuted. Okay, sure. If you want to do that, I'm going to stay AJ Styles. So he had the leverage there. So, yeah, you know, shoot. So shout out to him for that. Yeah, I think he was also a, a Triple H negotiation. If mm. I remember too. Yeah, you want to know another name I threw on the list? What's that? <laughs> Edward Cheesehead. That's would have been good. Yeah. Uh, Edison, <laughs> Edison Crap. 
<laughs> if you would have said Edison oh, Crow, I think that would have been uh, interesting. Kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> I like Edison. I mean, bro, let's come on. Let's be honest. How how much worse are those names than Braun Breaker? Oh. Man, he's a Steiner. Just call him a Steiner. So silly, so silly, bro. Like, so silly, man. There was a running joke within our FCW days because there really was no sort of like thought or process to the names like we would put names on a list and one day we'd show up like i put a bunch of first names and a bunch of last names on the list when i signed and one day i show up to, uh, to a show and i see Derek bateman is on the card I'm like who's, who's Derek bateman i mean oh it was me they took a Derek i put on the list and they took a bateman and i put on the list and put them together i'm like oh great so we always had this uh, joking thing that there was, you know, the random name generator, the FCW random name generator, and we'd have good fun making up really bad names, and they they, they were better than the ones that actually made it. Uh, you were tag champs with Curtis, Johnny Curtis, right? Yeah, Johnny mm-hmm. Curtis. Johnny Curtis, he looked like a Johnny Curtis. That's kind of he a did. cool name. Yeah, he did. And, uh, <clears throat> you should trademark Edison Crow, man. That should be the that should be the EC and EC three from now on. Man. <laughs> You already were black and white. Let's hey, you know to go back to the comments. Let's keep this algorithm going. What was the worst FCW NXT name? Comment below. That's that's a good question too. Subscribe, yeah. like, comment below. I mean, Lucky Cannon blows. Was it Eli, uh, Eli, Eli Cottonwood? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was horrible. I mean, man. Michael McGillicuddy uh, was not Joe Henning's suggestion either. But he showed up. And he was Michael McGillicuddy. And I believe that was some sort of reverse rib that Vince had on the late Kurt Henning through his son. Because yeah. there's some tie into the name McGillicuddy. Whatever happened to him, bro? Yeah, I reached, he was a tight friend of mine and like a hell of a hand and really good person. So what happened? Yeah, was, yeah when he was released, he just kind of, he was satisfied. He just wanted to be home with his family and raise his family. So. Yeah. Much he came back for a hiccup too, right? To be an agent. I believe it was recently. I don't know if he actually did. I think I saw him. Uh, I think it was like either last year, about one or two years ago. He came back for a hiccup. He was. You can tell the agents by when they do the breakups, when they do like the uh, the brawls, and they'll bring out a bunch of people. Yeah. You can tell who's the agents by the breakups, and that's when uh, Pat Buck was there for a while. Now they have uh, P.D. Williams. You know, I saw him, uh, Sean Devari. You know, he was. You know, he's there for a while. I think he's still there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you, you, you would see who the agents, you know, are based on those breakups. I'm like, huh? Interesting. Oh, this P.D. Williams. You know, <laughs> interesting. Destroy him. Uh, throw Canadian destroyer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they overuse Canadian destroyer nowadays. That uh, he made. You work with P.D. Vince, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Long time I oh. wish I had more time to work with him. And uh, yeah. before he went over to become an agent, I was talking about doing his podcast with him. Oh, but nice. I never look at Twitter, so I didn't realize I had a message in queue for like three months that he was oh, trying yeah. to solidify it. So sorry, Petey. Love you, dude. Yeah, very innovative uh, talent right there. Were they ever thinking about uh, my, the second part of this question? Were they ever thinking about bringing you back as Derek Bateman? I hope to hell not. Yeah. I don't believe there was any talk. I think when I came over, though, it was an easy play. The name, you know, I had a good name, I was slightly over. It was a nice get. Like, it was easy to just plug it in. And, you know, originally, too, the time 
NXT was more of like a placeholder till I was going to be on the main roster. So it wasn't like we need a lot of thought, which in fact, I think kind of worked against me, as I probably said in the past, when you don't have anybody advocating for you or that is responsible for in a way creating you or can claim credit for creating you, you don't have as many, you know, advocates within meetings and things like that because nobody is sticking up for you because they don't have any benefit short of, well, I like him and he's good, but if, if they have investment into you personally that they can claim, not claim, but are responsible for your growth and your performance, then you have more advocates. Mm, yeah. So I remember when they used to do the thing when NXT was uh, really starting to get hot, they would do the thing and you were a part of the thing. The thing was there will, will be a takeover and the segment of the takeover, a moment in the takeover was to be, you know, to show the the new signee who's a popular name who's coming back or who's you know popular in the indies and you had your your moment where you did the three gimmick and every you know the, the crowd popped who came up with that moment and that segment and the place it there who was the mastermind behind I, I mean I guess it'll just be probably probably Paul trips mm-hmm. did they tell you what to sit to yeah they, okay. like the, towards the end of the match prior they would kind of bring you out and then you'd hear like the rumbling and you felt bad kind of taking the tension away from the match i know there was an alistair black title match when i went out there mm. i was like oh cool I'm like oh, i'm already programmed with alistair that rules yeah um there were four of us when i debuted though so we had the viking raiders the war machine and then we had ricochet mm-hmm. and dude i had this instinct i had my intuition to text ricochet hey dude what color suit are you wearing but then I was like, he's not going to wear a maroon suit. I'm the only one bold enough to wear a maroon suit. Then I show up to the building, and he had a maroon suit on. And I was just like, mother, good luck, dude. <laughs> yeah, you worked with uh, Vince. You worked with Ricochet, too, when he was Prince Puma, right? In Lucha Underground? No, I never worked at Lucha Underground. I thought you uh, had some. No, that's. Uh, that was all. That was to Joseph, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, met, I met him there. I mean, yeah, but yeah. I never, I never worked with him. You, you. So you met. How did you meet him there? Just, I, I went to a show. Oh, okay. So you went to a show. I went to a show. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, he was Prince Puma, man. He was uh, making some some big noise in uh, Lucha Underground under the mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my my good friend Marty Elias was uh, was there and <clears throat> working with the. You ever you ever work with Marty Marty Elias? I know he was. Like really talented. I don't know if I've actually worked with him though. Yeah. yeah. Like bringing that name up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a guy that would have been. Yeah. Uh, well, the ref, uh, Vince. Did you work? Did you uh, work with uh, Marty? You were. You were, were. you there when Marty was there? Marty. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. Who the Marty. referee. I don't. I don't know. Yes. He, he refed. Uh, he refed uh, Taker and um, Sean at uh, 25. Yeah, I, yeah, I was. You weren't there, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, you, but you've seen the, but you've seen the, uh, the match, right? Take her, Mike was at twenty five. No. Not, not, not a, not a five star match. Apparently, that one was of the greatest matches I've ever seen. That was one of the greatest matches. Ever. Not, not, not five. Certainly not. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> The Seven Star Club is here, ladies and gentlemen. Another match, Seven Stars. But if I do, then it'll be a wonderful thing for wrestling. There you go. I 
I don't. That's how, a wonderful thing for wrestling, by the way. <laughs> how how is that like four and three fours? Just give them the five. <laughs> You're the best ever. It was the best match almost all time. It was perfect. Is that how much? Is that what he gave him four and three fours? I believe so. What? I mean, I have a five star, you know, so whatever. But I it was mean, a ladder match, right? Yeah. Okay. What's yeah, the credentials of a five star match, by the way? Uh, feeling friends in the match, mm. whatever he wants to do, making things up, okay. or Very truly nice. enjoying it. I do question the. There was actually, I do believe he came out with what he quantifies his wrestling star ranking on. But I mean, I have my own ranking, and you know, it's excellent. Uh, it's very good. It's good. It's the business got done. Four and yeah. three quarters, You're and right. it's yeah, drizzling. So that's my my ranking. Nice. What's your what's your ranking system, Vince? What, what does that look like? oh man so you know what's so funny about vince's seven like i i just do the four (laughs) to three just because it it symmetrically makes sense but vince's is like no no five isn't enough (laughs) two more in there and i'm capping it i'm capping it with the two bro i'm capping it and season three's got his Matt Hardy version one gimmick going on with the uh, with the four stars. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into um, the uh, the other segments. The which is um, Fred Rosser, formerly known as Darren Young, former WWE uh, Tag Team Champion. Took a shot at EC3 on uh, Sports City Wrestling social media. This is in response to EC3 talking about uh, Titus can custom. Well, this leads to a match. I think this is. Uh, I think this is. Uh, I think he was in kayfabe. Uh, he said, "Oh H, no, you keep my tag team partner Titus name out your d mouth. I think we need to take this up in the ring." EC3 hashtag mm. block the hate. Block the hate. That's good business. I mean, to scour the internet to comment on, you know, out of context, probably things. First off, I didn't say he can cuss me. I said he can cuss me multiple times. Secondly, I said, I'm not mad at it. I forgive everybody for everything. You take accountability for everything that happens to you. You, me, I'm solely responsible for what happens to me. So perhaps I didn't protect myself well enough. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's no ill will. I didn't say anything bad about him. I just said the truth. My truth is true. I have no intention. I have no reason to lie. In fact, everything I bring to this podcast and to the wrestling world at this point is complete transparency and honesty because I think that's what's lacking. So if I'm taking, you know, apparent disdain or hatred for speaking the truth, I am just telling you what I know to be true within the moments. Now, Darren Young, Fred Rosser, hell of a talent beautiful head of hair great 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 wrestler um i don't believe he really took a shot as much as he defended his friend so i can respect defense of a friend and at the same time block the hate i have no hate and i have no ill will but if it's a match fred rosser seeks well it's a match he can have now when where why how whatever we can figure that out 
But since all the nice things I just said will never be reported and only one or two lines do get reported because that's how reporting works. You take the soundbite or the clickbait, you put it out of context, get the dump, get the dump buddy ready, get her, get her going. Yeah, I'll f him up. <laughs> just be sure. Yeah, there you go. Perfect subway. Just be sure the match is seven stars, whatever you do. Uh, one more sound bite. It happened in Japan, then, so I think he's over there. That'd be cool. Yeah, he's doing some. He's doing some. Uh, New yeah. Japan strong. Uh, he's making some noise there. Uh, I guess, you know, when you tag with somebody, you're not on the other, the other end of their very, very misplaced heavy hands yes indeed well play everything's quirking hard <laughs> if you stay quirking hard you're gonna walk it's a 20 minute train ride yeah i know because i just thought i'd throw that in there for <laughs> <laughs> i mean we did we did talk about japan so that was an alley-oop man <laughs> tonight is going to be owned like a steaming pot of neck bones yeah very nice okay stevie okay. ray stevie I'm ray sorry. Uh, Steve Ray he used to call people yaks and fruit movies. Real fast, Vince hooked me up with Stevie Ray, and it was like uh, a real pleasure to talk to him because we were possibly doing Houston, so I wanted to collaborate with him or get him involved somehow and stuff like that. And he talked to me for an hour and 45. Oh, yeah, he loves to talk. And I was in my car with the thing, and, like, I'm sweating because I couldn't put yeah. the car on, and I'm, like, starting to twitch when I'm sitting somewhere. <laughs> anxious. And it was an engaging conversation, but I'm like, I, I had no out. I had no way. Like, <laughs> I the conversation. Yeah, I got to jump in a meeting in 20 minutes. Yeah, he loves, he loves talking, yeah. and Stevie Ray yeah. loves talking. Oh, I got to use the bathroom. I'll be back and never come back. Yeah. Just yeah. stay right there. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, talk about throwing down memory lane. Uh, what are what are your uh, earliest memories of working with Edge, oh, uh, Vince Russo? Did you ever see him? Did you think he would be a top star, and did you see Christian in the same light? Man, that's weird, bro. Because you know, you, you me me saying no, I never saw Christian in the same light because Christian was never in the same light. But I never did for some reason, you know. Not, not you know, I don't I, I don't know, bro. Maybe it's just the way we brought them in and we brought in Edge first, so Edge was always like the leader. So maybe just the way we set it up. Maybe if we would have brought Christian in first, it would have been completely completely flip-flopped you know wasn't christian like the bitter brother like didn't, didn't he like stand some like uh, if i remember it was like he just stood like by like in outside of the ring for a moment and kind of distracted edge or something like that and yeah, kind of, kind yeah. Of like a rival at first before they went to the brood yeah yeah but so the focus was always on edge from the beginning so mm -hmm. maybe may, maybe if it was the other way around they would have had the opposite careers hmm What's his deal, bro? Is he still working for AEW? Is he hurt or something? Christian, or yeah, he, he was hurt for a while. He came. He, he recently came back. He's still a mega heel in AEW. Like he's getting some huge heat, doing a really good job. Is uh, getting some heat there. I, I'll I'll share my thoughts on the Edge versus Edge Christian. You know, uh, dynamic. What do you, what do you think, East? Uh, what do you think about Edge and Christian? Was Edge an inspiration growing up for you? Yeah, they both were. I mean, uh, I remember early developmental, and I'm a new guy, and there's talks like I'm doing goofy and funny things 
during promos and one stooge for Dusty Rhodes, I'll keep him nameless, is trying to give me this like spiel. He's like, well, you know, funny doesn't make money. And I was like, five second poses made a lot of money. And he went, huh. well, you, you know, not, not that. And I'm like, well, the three eyes made a lot of money. And he goes, well, no, not that. And I'm like, Poontang Pie made a lot of money. And he's like, eh. so you know, up yours on that one. Hmm. Edge, I was just watching. I actually watched wrestling today because I was re-inspired. I was watching Edge and Rey Mysterio versus uh, Benoit and Angle from a two out of three falls SmackDown matches. It's so good. Like, hmm. They're so good. And uh, when I came back to NXT, I did a podcast when Edge and Christian had the podcast. And we had a very engaging chat and it was very inspirational. And it was like a super honor, super privilege. Edge was an inspiration. But I would say, based on my personal experience, Christian was more so. Christian, when I was in developmental too, or we did the season of NXT, I had to get knee surgery. I'm coming back, so I'm training back at the FCW facility. Christian was also hurt. And so Christian would come in and, you know, he roll around but he's he kind of knew me so he said hey do you want to get in the ring this this one day and i'm like yeah absolutely that'd be great and in like three hours working with him i learned more than i learned in years in developmental mm -hmm. like we just we, we did like an hour broadway and i'm working with christian for an hour in front of nobody and it was just a surreal experience and just picking up the intricacies and the timing and these great things he does so well like it was truly an honor. He was a great, great dude. After we did that training, guess what? He took me to get ice cream. So Christian Edge, both inspirations, and uh I wish them the best. So they're <clears throat> very nice. Christian's heel run when he was working with Orton too, or his champion run where he kept kind of getting it taken off of him. I go back and watch those matches and just like the pacing and the way they execute false finishes is like it's art yeah i i see christian's like an unsung hero to me man you know he's just there's a lot of <clears throat> because edge made such a presence for so long and he was in different you know angles you know feuding with sean you know feuding with cena feuding with taker he had those big name feuds but to me though man i, I i've I've always been a Christian guy, you know, when it comes to Edge and Christian, because I always, always wish that Christian would have had an opportunity to have a bigger presence in the main event scene than he did. Uh, he had a lot of mid-card, you know, major, major mid-card feuds, but I wish he would have had more presence. I'll more tell you what, though, to be honest with you, Chris. And, and and this may have been the reason why, because I know how things work in the WWE. Bro, I worked with him at the WWE, and keep in mind, him and him and Edge were just newbies, so mm. they didn't say anything. You mm. know what I'm saying? Bro, by the time he got to TNA and I was working with him at TNA, bro, he was so hard to work with, man. Was he really? Uh, uh, and, and, bro, th this I, I want to make one thing clear about what, what I mean by this. What I mean by this, because I don't, I don't dislike Christian at all. I'm talking about from a working relationship. And, Chris, the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because I know if this is how he was in his later years at WWE, this might have – 
prevented him from what you're saying. Bro, he was such like a perfectionist Mm. that he would just overthink everything. Bro, you got to understand at TNA, bro, because they were on such a tight budget. Bro, we were filming like, my God, bro, we were filming like eight shows over two days. Mm -hmm. So, bro, when I'm telling you there's literally dozens of pre-tapes, you got to go, 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 like nonstop, bro. And then every time you would come to him, I I swear to God, bro, it's like he, you know, like he was doing Hamlet. Mm. And, you know, everything had to be so perfect. And it was like... I used to get so frustrated because it's like, bro, we don't have the time for this. Mm. Like if this were the only thing we were doing, no problem. But our schedule doesn't give us the time because, you know, bro, it's it's funny, man. You can poke a hole in everything if you want to. I mean, so if if I give you something and and you just think it through, think it through and and overanalyze it. Bro, you can poke a hole in anything. Yeah. And he was Forever. just yeah, <laughs> he was just he was just one of those guys that it was like, bro, we gotta go. Like we we've gotta do this. Let mm. let's go. And and I'm just saying, bro, like if, if that was his attitude over there, it it, it ain't gonna work, mm. man. It's just not gonna work. Uh, I can I can see that being the case. I've I've I know people in, in WWE uh currently and have been for a while, and I've 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 heard that Christian uh, can be hyper over analytical. Yeah, uh, bro. And like, I got no hero whatsoever. Good guy. Ne- never, we yeah. never had words or nothing like that. But it's like, man, we, we just didn't have the time, bro. You know, there, there comes a point. I mean, you see three no's, man. When, you, when you're a TV, bro, and you're working against the clock, yeah. you got to go, man. You, we've got to go. Do you think he focused on that more? Uh, than making his character really work for the crowd? Or was well, he so focused on the, the wrestling and just laying out the whole No, I, 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 I'm, I'm talking, bro, strictly character. Oh, strictly oh, character? yeah, I'm talking with his promos and what he had to do in the back. I am talking 100% character work. Mm-hmm. Do you think he was just very protective of his brand and what he built. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and bro, I get all that. Trust me. I get all that. But, but there comes a, a time when, bro, we got to go. Like we, mm-hmm. we've got to do this. And, you know, I, I mean, bro, you know, let's be honest, bro. We, I'm working with 25 other guys, mm-hmm. you know, like I can't be spending three hours on you and, you know, Kurt's waiting over here. Gotcha. You know, so it was just, man, it was just, it was just tough. You can definitely tell by his matches and how, how really yeah. good they're laid out. Right. No, absolutely. He's a thinker bro. for sure. Absolutely. I heard Savage was like that too when it comes to really, really uh, overanalyzing. Just yeah, really I mean, really... Austin was like that too. Oh, was he? Point. But, but bro, I, I got that mm-hmm. because Austin had, Bro, he got so over in such a short period of time that, like, in his mind, I can lose this just as quickly as I got it. So, like, I understood him overanalyzing. But but even Austin, like, over time, you know, we built that trust where it, it, it you know, it slacked off with, with yeah. Christian. It just never did. 
Uh, yeah, the the chase for perfection could be an asset, but it certainly could be a detriment too. Hundred percent, man. Overanalyzing things, like especially in pro wrestling. I mean, I don't know if this is similar, but like I remember those marathon days in TNA, and like sometimes you just like this is going to be B plus material, or this is yeah. this is going to be adequate at best, and you, you had to do it. Yeah, or times too when you're not in control of what's actually going to see the light of day and the public will see that you have to be protective because oftentimes somebody who's not in the know or doesn't recognize quality is going to use something that's subpar. And I can yeah. remember it's like an eight by tens I would take where I'm like, Oh, those pictures are terrible. And mm -hmm. you know, I'd go away. Then they'd be the, the flyer picture or the promo picture. I'm like, oh, that's the, why did they pick that? To the point where someone would take pictures. I'm like, you got to delete these. These are just dreadful. Yeah. And, you know, so that's a little bit of a pain in the ass. And I remember going back to NXT that same day with the maroon suit. I did a promo for .com afterwards. And, uh, you know, there's a couple stoogy Yes Men writers. And, you know, it's three, two, one action. And I cut this promo like scathing pipe bombish like just pure fire like one of my better works and i was just like crushing it killing it love this promo and they were like cut wow that's really good but could you do another take because yeah, i don't know if we said this and this and i can run it by trips but if you don't mind can you just do another take so we have it in the bag and I did a take and it, it sucked it was one i get mocked for it still it's like do you see this logo like like i was thrown off I did this subpar promo and I let it stay because I figured, well, they're going to see this one's way better. Yeah. never saw it. The dude never asked. He just played it safe. And he picked the one that wouldn't possibly get him in trouble for producing yeah. as yeah. opposed to the one that could have made me, you know, viral star. So like, mm -hmm. that's why I would tend to be, I understand that. But at the same time, you know, you got 30 guys, you're doing eight shows. You got to go. Yeah. Indeed. Perfect segue to our last subject of the evening, which is uh, Bray Wyatt. So Vince, your boy, Sean Ross Sapp, he reported that Brock Lesnar shot down the idea of working with Bray Wyatt. So here's my question with Vince, because I know that you're very high on Bray Wyatt. Do you think at this moment there's too much damage that's been done with Bray Wyatt for uh, it not to be a, a a consideration to go against yeah. Brock Lesnar now. Yes. Now, now, mind you, Bray Wyatt has went against Randy Orton, John Cena, and the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Like three Hall of Famers. Like the Undertaker is a Hall of Famer. Randy Orton, and John John Cena, are shoe and Hall of Famers. He's had three major matches at WrestleMania. And but Bray, but but Brock Lesnar says no to him. Why, where do you think it is in Bray Wyatt's career yeah, now? I, I gotta <laughs> tell you, Chris, you you know, I don't watch SmackDown, but I see enough, like I see enough, right? Man, bro, I'm just watching Bray's last stuff, and it has nothing to do with his performance. But it's it's all over the place, bro. Like I I I am so totally lost. We we got Howdy. We're back in the funhouse. 
We got Alexa Bliss. Then we got this new character with a, like, it is so all over the place. Like, where I was watching this, and, and like, I, I just kept saying, bro, we, we got to focus this thing. Like, what is the focus? It's either Howdy or this new, ca- we've got to, we've got to focus this, bro. It is all over the place, Chris. Would you say it's uninspired or just a mess? A mess. Yeah, I think it's a mess, man. Like I've said this, over, I've man, said this before, or yeah. when, in our conversations, it needs to be honed in. It, yes. it has to yes. be honed in. Yes. It is all over the place, man. It's hard for the viewer. Again, this yes. is episodic television that yes, we're talking Chris. about. Yes. It is really hard for the viewer yes. to be jumping from place to place all the time it when is, it comes to Bray bro. Wyatt. It and is. think about think about Brock Lesnar being invited to we be a part of that hopscotch. You know, what I, I mean, like I'm with you. I could just see him be like, "No, like I'm not going to be a part of Uncle Howdy scaring me one day and me being a silhouette and me being." No, I'm not. And bro, let me let me let me tell you this too, bro. Like I'm I'm telling you, bro. Remember, Bray came back when Vince was gone. Yep. Bro, if we don't understand it, forget it with Vince. Like that. That's why I'm saying, bro. Like I don't. I hate to say this, bro. I don't know how much longer he's gonna be around because Vince, forget about it, bro. Like. It was making it before before I uh, EC3. I'm really interested in your thoughts on this too. But here's the here's the really unfortunate part about all of this, Vince. The time that he was gone, f- fans were clamoring like, "Is this going to be the pay per view? Is this going to be be the pay per view?" We saw yeah. we saw all the Easter eggs. You know, what I mean, within the within the Raw episodes, there's QR codes now that people are uh, looking at and. Scanning QR codes. Okay, this is what the QR codes is talking about. It's talking about bunnies and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you get the the, the return. The crowd goes bananas. And now if you look at the internet, people are just not filling Bray. And, they're, and I've even seen people turn on. I mean, this is fickle, you know, WWE, fickle pro wrestling fans anyways. But now it's like he can't wrestle. He he's not a really good performer. He's just kind of wacky, and I'm not really into this stuff because I'm not really feeling it because it's too convoluted. And here's the thing: and the in-ring stuff that really doesn't matter to me much too because I'm a character guy. Because that's that's why I think that pro wrestling should be. Yeah, I, I like good matches and good athleticism, but it's about the characters. To me, when it comes to Bray Wyatt, though. It's so convoluted. Like I said, he has a beautiful mind that's really fit for for the the, the theater and cinema industry. If he had someone to write for him and hone it in and make a more fluid motion when it comes to week by week, I would love it. But because he's just all over the place with his thoughts, it's hard for the fans to really sink their teeth into it because they get lost every week. EC3, what do you think? Yeah, if true, because anything, you know, reported, I know SSR does a pretty good job of trying to vet his information, but if true, because I... It's SRS before he uh, corrects you. Let me explain something to you, bro. So hold on, EC3. Go ahead, go ahead, Pop. It's Sean Sapp. 
he, he he's not a movie star that he gets three names. Bro, let, let's face it. Sean Sapp, the kids at elementary school, had a field day with that. He so can't be he can't be Dave, David Allen Grayer. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's not yeah. a movie star, bro. He's not a celebrity. It's Sean Sapp. Don't fall into the three name trap, right. bro. I, do I come on here? Am I am I Vincent James Russo? There you bro? go. <laughs> yeah. bro, is that what I'm gonna start going by now? Sean yeah. Sapp. Okay. Yeah, SS double R's reporting is accurate. It does uh it is unfortunate, but maybe Brock's particular, maybe Brock just doesn't see the value of a story. And there's, you know, he doesn't understand it himself. So what is there to do with it? It's unfortunate because Bray's comeback was so well thought out and developed and put together. It was almost as though somebody outside of the WWE bubble was responsible for pushing those unique things and intricate things to deliver a giant response. I think one issue with a character like Bray and his depth and, you know, foresight is that he's an attraction more than something that you see every week when you're delivering a plus material, you know, and you're there every week, you're running out of things real fast, especially when you're unique and you're trying to exist in a reality, but at the same time, there is some supernatural elements. Like there's only so much to do that perhaps he would have been better portrayed as an attraction that you don't see often. So right. not every week you have this and that and that. And we need something, you know, some, well, we can do this and just kind of, you know, throwing darts at a creative board. And this is what we'll do again. Like sometimes that clean slate is the best thing that can happen for somebody. So maybe, the release to that return was the best thing that could have happened for him. But perhaps Vince coming back and not understanding it and being forced to play under that, that banner, it just won't work. You, so. you know what it, you know what it is too, bro. Cause you got to understand, man, I worked with Kane and uh, Taker in their heyday, bro. You got to understand, even though these characters are monsters and mystical and all that stuff. Okay. Bro, you still got to keep it within the context of wrestling. Mm -hmm. You still got to keep you. You're still confined by wrestling. Bray has done like so much outside of wrestling. And I'm always asking the question, how are you going to bring that back to the ring? Like when we see the fun house, how is that going to equate into wrestling? I can't believe they burned the fun house down so early. I'm sorry. No, yeah. No. When I saw uh, Howdy. My first, my first reaction was, this guy's gonna wrestle with a mask, like, bro. You, it's got to come back to that ring, yeah. and I, I think he's done so much outside of the box. You know, the Alexa Bliss stuff, so much stuff, bro, that you can't, you can't bring it back to wrestling, man. Yeah, I, I think it's oversaturated. Go ahead, East. Yeah, going? I was just gonna ask Vince. How do you clean it up? How do you fix it? Or do you just need do you need a clean slate? Ah, bro, I, I think you I think you really need to simplify it at this point. Like let's let's really what is the angle? What is the angle? Let's really simplify it, man. That's I think right. that's a, I think that's a oh, good yep. Yeah. I, I I I was about to say something. I was about to use the example of when the fiend came out, it wasn't a lot of stuff. It was right. like he would scare people. People would be cutting promos, 
it would get dark and then it would be the squeaky stuff and all of a sudden you would see the fiend out and he would just give someone his sister Abigail and that was it. And he it, it was it. You know what I mean? It was just those pop-ups and that led to that moment with Finn Balor at SummerSlam and then the more we started to see the oversaturation of the fiend, the, the, the less of the red. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Like, it's just too much. Then it's just Oh, these matches are finishers. Don't work on me at all. Right. Like, everybody's finisher fifteen yeah. times and just yeah. nothing affects me. Yeah, it's where do you go, man? Yeah, the quality just the quality. It's like when you give us too much too soon, the quality just goes down dramatically. You know what I mean? And, and drastically. And I think that Bray. And and this could not even be a Bray thing. This could be like the a producer thing. Like give us cram as much as you possibly can this week. I think that Bray has been written to give us too much too soon. And I, I don't think he I, I think Bray's mind should be honored to be stretched out because he has that ability to stretch things out with the, his thoughts. And I think the writers should have should have given that. I would have been fine if Bray have hasn't even stepped in a ring yet when it comes to a wrestling match. I don't, I think the LA Knight thing was just what what was the payoff there? I mean, like it really didn't. Do a million it. dollars from Mountain Dew. Oh, they right. Mountain Mountain Dew gets the payoff for that. So Mountain Dew's over and all that. So yeah, I think the thing for something like that too, if it's that broken, a match with Brock Lesnar on the biggest stage and a total destruction of what it is to take a second step back, reevaluate clean slate and start with something that simply could be built the right way. Yeah. But does he, happened, so does Brock go, does he go over Brock though? If, if that would uh, it? I mean, if you're going to blow it up, no, like a guy like Brock is the one thing that can bring an entire evil empire down with, mm. you know, like he could kill the fiend, so to speak. So mm. Ray can, redraw it up and hopefully get something that is suitable i actually think that's a good idea i mean if you would have done brock and bray if you would have had you know this this version this art this incarnation of bray go against brock at wrestlemania and brock just squash bray and gives him like a year off yeah and then he comes back and just hits the reset button and and runs it back next mania against brock and then and then do it, you know, round two next year and beats Brock. I think that would have been a good reset for for Bray because I think he needs something like that right now. So, well, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, we have Vince Russo, former WCW World Heavyweight Champion. We have EC3, former TNA World Heavyweight Champion. We have the Doctor. That's me, Chris Featherstone here with the Wrestling Outlaws. This is a seven-star club production show. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Solo! What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Dr. Chris Featherstone here. You know another episode of The Wrestling Outlaws. I'm here with The Outlaw. Vince Russo with the outlaw EC3 actually just came from a match. Uh, just I'm just covered in blood. Wow, talk about kayfabe, ladies and gentlemen. Doesn't get any better than that, indeed. 
I am the doctor and the sheriff, Chris Featherstone. This is the Wrestling Outlaws. We got a fun episode for you today. And the first topic we're going to talk about is The Undertaker and Kevin Ash taking shots Whoa. at Wheeler Yuta from AEW. <laughs> <laughs> so, he ain't watching. <laughs> So there's a there was a tweet of uh, you uh, Yuda getting the uh, I think it was Boston Crab um, and he was pulling a uh, an Austin from WrestleMania uh, was that thirteen with him? Oh Friday? yeah, yeah, it was thirteen. And so uh, the the crimson mask that uh, Austin did that actually uh, uh, spawned the the double turn. Uh, as well got so much respect from that night and so there was a wrestling journalist and historian that said imagine your stone cold and your ranch drinking a budweiser but i'd rather say steve weiser what yeah. yeah scrolling twitter and you see this being compared to you the crimson mask willer yuda frowning and uh, in a pool of blood. Kevin Nash, two days later, responds, don't worry, he ain't watching. (laughs) And lo and behold, ladies and gentlemen, if there's anybody who's a protector of the pro wrestling business is this guy. But oh, no, not tonight. (laughs) He responds, huge pop, and that person is the Undertaker. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, Kevin Nash responding that way, that's not that's not surprising to me. But the 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 wrestling protector of all wrestling protectors, the Undertaker saying huge pop to that. <laughs> That is a another level of endorsement right there. EC3, what say ye about this burial of Wheeler Yuta on the social interwebs? Well, I mean, if you're going to get buried, it may as well be by the, the Undertaker, right? Like, that's that's kudos, respect. In fact, that's almost that's, that's recognition. That's him being put over in a sense. Now, my secret uh, Illuminati text group brought this to my attention and we all had a, a hearty chuckle about it. Um, yeah, like you wonder about social media. Like one thing I think about social media when I was growing up and I was a fan, like would the aura of someone like The Undertaker, the mystique be gone if he had a Twitter, if he had an Instagram where he's, you know, posting selfies in the gym or like thoughts on, you know, or like cat memes or something like that. Like the undertaker so well-respected respects the industry so much and protects it life limb with everything he has to just to say pop exclamation point. It's, it's perfectly timed. It's, it's hilarious. And uh, yeah, you know what? You just wonder, though, if like that aura would have been still existed in a social media age back in the day. Mm. Vince, I think that's a good point from EC3. What are your what is your take on all this, man? Bro, bro, they all feel that way, but they won't say it. 
I, I mean, you're going to get this. You, you know what I'm saying? They all feel that way, bro. Every single one of them, man. They they watch AEW, bro, and I know they feel and think exactly what I say. Um, but again, bro, out of, you know, kind of what um, EC3 just said, bro, out of their respect for the business, they're not going to say it. Yeah. You're going to get little you're going to get little pieces like this and you get you get them in a lot of interviews. I mean, Taker has said some stuff in interviews oh, yeah. about locker room being soft and yeah. Kevin has said some stuff, you know, Mick McFoley. I mean, they they say stuff, but they they're pros, bro. They're yeah. they're pros and they're they're not going to bury the business, but I, I guess sometimes it, it just becomes too good to pass up, you know. Yeah, didn't Undertaker say something on Rogan that, you know, a small, very vocal minority came yeah. at him like he's yeah. a degenerate or a bully or things like that? I, he, dude, he was right. He's right. And like, you know, I'm a younger person in that sort of generation. He's 100% right. He's right about everything. Like, it's, it is what it is, which I hate that. I hate that saying, it is what it is. But Taker's right. Yeah. Pop. I popped. All right, we're all popping. It's a huge pop for me, too. My, my huge pop is that the protector of the business, The Undertaker, is endorsing uh, what Kevin Nash was saying about Steve Austin not giving a flip about Will or Yuta doing a, uh, a reenactment of, of a WrestleMania spot with Bret Hart. It's like, you know... <clears throat> Back in the day, like around that time, you know, there, there was still blood involved. But the thing is with blading, I, I love talking to old school wrestlers. And a lot of them would say that, yes, there was a lot of blood back in the 70s and 80s. But at the same time, it still meant something. It was a part of the story. It was a part of the match. It wasn't just cutting for cutting sake or blading for blading sake or bleeding for bleeding sake it just wasn't just to uh, draw a rise from the fans there was a purpose behind it the problem i have a lot with today's wrestling is people just bleed for bleeding sake there's just nothing that it doesn't add another layer to the story it doesn't make a heel more of a heel it doesn't make a baby face more of a baby face it's just Oh, we want to rise from the fans, so I'll just bleed. So someone with blood on his face right now, EC3, chime in on that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you think back in, you know, WrestleMania 13, I think that's 97, there wasn't a lot of blood. I think WWF was kind of like <clears throat> far away from blood, and in fact, they weren't supposed to get blood, and they went and they took that risk on their own, and, you know, Brett did, and I think Austin spoke about it a bunch of times, but that one moment, that one, the right place at the right time launched the biggest star in wrestling history. Without that moment, what would have happened? Without all those things falling into place, that match wasn't even supposed to be supposed to happen. It's supposed to be Sean and Brett in a rematch, I think. And like all of that, like that road was so broken, but it brought us to this one spot, the one perfect moment where the biggest star in the industry was launched yeah it's not like you not sorry i didn't mean to in but like even today we're doing ovw and what's cool about ovw 
is the fan base is very localized and central. And I don't want to say, well, they still believe it's real, but they're very much in tune because they watch everybody every week. So they have like personal attachments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm in the ring with uh, Cal Hero, the up and coming, like young baby face, all the potential in the world. Everybody loves him. And in the moment, this took Fanny place. Kid, right? Yes, the Fanny yeah. Pack kid. Yeah. Shout out to David. Big Dave. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I love Dave Hero. That's my guy. Man. Beat his son to nearly to death. It was cool, but <laughs> like in that moment, as I'm watching it unfold, there there were literal tears in people's eyes and like mm. kids being held by their parents in that moment. So it was the right moment, and why it worked there, and maybe why it's so overdone elsewhere, especially currently. Like it worked there because they're focused on this and they have attachment to the people in there, and that brought us up a level and it was kind of necessary the one downfall is that we're talking about the consistent amount of blood that's been taking place in the past few weeks that seemingly has no place or it's just unnecessary mm-hmm. or it's blood for blood's sake which dude it's one of the if you do it right it's one of the best things you can do in wrestling but you have to you know rely on that silver bullet very few times true it's right time. 100% agree with that. Vince, as someone who uh, was there for WrestleMania 13, for the incarnation of Stone Cold Steve Austin, for the double turn, get us into the insides of 1997 when it comes to the feud between Bret Hart and Steve Austin. And was this double turn plan from a while back like when was the thought about the double turn happening and the uh, the blood spot i think I'm, I'm real curious though too if you were in the gorilla position with vince when the color actually happened mm, and yeah. like what, what his face looked like yeah was I, just- I, I i was not i was not but uh, but i think chris what was happening was i think it was organically starting to happen bro there was something there was something back in those days that i really i'm telling you bro i don't believe exists today okay bro when brett and and uh, austin were working together bro you're talking about two pros with one goal they want to both get each other over yeah Austin wants to get Brett over. Brett wants to get Austin over. And why? Because if they're both over, they both make a lot of money. That that concept is lost today. I, bro, I, I bet you there are there, there's maybe 10 wrestlers who really understand the concept of getting their opponent over. Uh, honestly, bro, because 90% of it is moves. We're going to memorize moves. You're going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Blah, blah. Nobody's going to sell anything, and nobody's getting over. How many times do you say that, Chris? But, Chris, when you when you talk about the blood and the impact of the blood, bro, I can go back to when I was a kid. And you know when you saw blood, bro? Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Bruno's bleeding. Mm-hmm. The champ is in trouble. Holy crap, Hulk is busted open. Bro, you, you, when that happened, the unbeatable champ is in trouble. This is it. Yep. Bro, that's when you did it. You, 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 today, you, you're getting people that mean 
absolutely nothing. And, bro, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. The WWE ain't doing this. I'm not talking about the WWE. But every time I hear about AEW and C footage, somebody else is bleeding, bro. And, again, like I said, bro, you literally go back and Bruno and, and Hulk and it really, really meant something, bro. Yeah, it's sure. it, it means zero today, man. It doesn't. It's it's even a running joke now. Of yeah. What, you know, uh, this week we're going to, you know, somehow Dean, uh, well, John Moxley's going to find a way to bleed. You know, he's he's announced to cut a promo, but somehow he's going to find a way to bleed. He he has a, a, a package, you know, a video package, but – Somehow he's going to find a way to bleed. You know? <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's 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 become a running joke, and when a blood spot or when 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 that that color has become a running joke, it's 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 comical now. You know what I mean? And it's like that is not that's not what the forefathers of making those no. moments and those no. spots. They didn't do all that and have scars all over their face. For a running joke for for, for John well, You know what, EC3, you said something that was very interesting to me the other day, and we didn't get to get into it because we got into some completely different. So okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about this now. And, Chris, this is going to be interesting because, like, you and I wouldn't know this because we're not one of the boys. This is what this man does for a living. Bro, you said to me, bro, to some extent it gets addictive. Yeah. And the reason why I'm asking you that is because, like you said, Chris, I'm looking at a guy like Moxley now, and are we at the addictive level? Bro, explain that to me. I'm, I'm so interested in hearing that. It's, it's funny. 2023, blood is a meme. But I did bring this up to Vince, and I was going to bring it up here, is that as a performer, when you're like emotionally invested, when you have passion for this and you feel it, like when that happens, like it brings more out of you. It's we're working, but you know, one of my mentalities is you think shoot, but you work. So if this was real and then when, once you see it and you feel it, like you just go to another level. It's very much, I would say it's a dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. It's a dopamine cut in theory. It's like a tattoo sometimes where tattoos suck, but you want more. And, uh, when, you, when it comes and it's right and you can see the emotion in people's faces and you can feel, you know, your life force in your, like, just in your face and, like, you look up at the camera and you see yourself, it's, it is addictive. It's hard. It's very hard to uh, explain, I guess, short of the fact it's addictive and everything's fine in moderation, Mike, but no, everything's fine in moderation, but people... We're addicted to the adrenaline. We're addicted to the feeling of performing. I can't come down. Like, I'm so happy we're doing this after a show because I have some way to kind of segue back down so I can still have the energy and the passion and the emotion I feel from working, you know, 30 minutes ago. But when that blood comes, like, it, it takes you to a different level. If what you do, you feel and you believe. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. I, you know, I, again, you know, I've, I've never been a, pro wrestler i used to amateur wrestle i didn't have to bleed <laughs> but i i'm i'm interested to know how that's 
Because when you think when I when I'm thinking of blood and when I'm thinking of addicting, I think of from a psychological standpoint. You know, as far as what that looks like for people to be addicted in that way, uh, from a cutting standpoint. So I'm I'm wondering like if, if there's some some ties there when it comes to someone who really wants that um, that affirmation that 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 rise from the crowd that that moment that that embrace you know and and it's going through some things personally that that type of adrenaline rush and that dopamine hit actually becomes something that they look forward to every week because it gives them kind of a pass to you know to to cut you know what i mean so it, just again I, I don't know but it does cause me some curiosity to see if there's a link there from a psychological standpoint i i guarantee that probably is that's not something mm. for me personally i never had anything of that nature but i can totally see that being the case mm. but you know i gotta tell you something though chris like which is really interesting now man it's you know again bro people say oh the attitude whatever you want bro on very very few occasions when when you're writing the spot just like EC3 said, would call for color. Mm -hmm. And I would write, so-and-so gets busted open because I felt the match and the build, and that was the time you could feel it as a writer. Yeah. But, Chris, nobody was going into business for themselves back, mm -hmm. th back then. No, Nobody was blading unless they were told to, unless it was, you know, like one, one time in six months or they weren't doing this on their own. Yeah. I mean, these guys now are all doing this on their own and that's why it, it, it means nothing, bro. Yeah. I think it's more of the rush than the going, going to business to make the other person look good or, 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 or making that extra investment in the story. I think that that's been such a lost art in, in exchange for the rush that comes with the blading in the blood, which again, for me, from a psychological standpoint, I, that concerns me to be honest with you, because people are going to business for themselves and wanting that spot to make them look more like the hero. in a lot of cases, you and, need, and I see that you need, you need to, uh, uh, promoter of the year and a booker of the year needs to have reins over mm. you know his soldiers i, I would agree. say because it, blood is one thing and then if it keeps happening it means nothing it's the same thing with everyone's doing middle fingers and like mm. mid-card matches with no you know heat to them or everyone's doing canadian destroyers you have ricky morton doing a Canadian Destroyer. Holy, who would have thought you would see that? But then the match before I saw a Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. So like, there's no concept of saving things for the moments where it's really required and not allowing it to happen when it's totally not needed. Mm -hmm. So you gotta, you gotta rein it in. And like everyone claims or clamors for wrestlers, they have creative freedom. Yet to an extent, the creative freedom should come in the ability to portray yourself in your way, but it shouldn't be in the ability to take the reins of the business and take everything away from somebody, from the things that matter just for your own sake. That's not creative freedom. That's just being selfish. I agree. Absolutely. Next, we have uh, Vince and I, we we talked about this a yeah. lot. Go ahead. Well, real fast, it's because we were talking about selling and 
I'm writing a kind of guide for up and coming wrestlers. And one of the things I just wanted to quote, the greatest matches are two guys trying to outsell each other. And I think that's a William Regal quote I heard. So Very nice. So uncouth. Uh, <laughs> next we have uh, uh, the China documentary. So Vince and I, uh, we, we went into uh, a lot uh, on a separate show because I really wanted to spend more time uh, going this going with this from a from a really extended standpoint with with Vince because they were so close and work with uh, <clears throat> work with each other. Um, but at the same time, I do I am interested in your your take and your thoughts. Um, EC3. Now, she I know she worked in TNA. Vince, did you work with her in TNA when she was uh, uh, in the feud with uh, when she was teaming up with with Kurt? Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm interested in this. Let, let's let's go this angle because I never really. I mean, a lot of people talk about the in ins and outs and the stuff that's go that happened in their time with WWE, but I'm really interested in her time in TNA. And and Vince, you worked with her in TNA. Was that kind of like a an opportunity for her to realize that you know she hasn't lost it? She's still valued. What was that time in her life? And how was it working with her? And what was the purpose of bringing her back in that capacity? Bro, you know, I don't think, I don't even know if this story has ever been told. Or I don't even know if this story is even out there. I really don't. But here's what happened, bro. I took a total shot in the dark. Because I didn't think she wanted to ever have anything to do with wrestling again. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to call her and I'm just going to ask her. Right. So bro, I took a shot in the dark and she was interested in doing something. And, and of course I'm ecstatic, you know, I'm absolutely ecstatic. So, you know, I, I, uh, pass her over to Dixie and, you know, Bruce was working talent relations at the time. Now, bro, I have to tell you this. Um, she came into Nashville to meet with us prior. I got to tell you, Chris, and I never, ever looked at her this way before when I was working with her all those years at TNA. Bro, when she came back to TNA and we met at a restaurant, it was the first time I had seen her in years. Bro, she was stunningly beautiful. I mean, I could not believe her presentation. I, I mean, perfect. Body, perfect. Hair, perfect. Makeup, perfect. Healthy. Looked like a million freaking bucks. So, of course, bro, you want to bring her in. You want to put her in the right spot. Who's better than Kurt? You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, absolutely 1,000%. Yeah. So, you know, we do we do the thing, bro. We do the whole thing. It worked out well. We're, we're trying to negotiate with her uh, to, for, to do something more long-term. Long well, bro, I, I don't know how he found out, but he probably found out through her. 
she had another adult film coming out that she had already, it was already done. It was already in the can. She had, you know, she, she was contracted, you know, to do it. This is before any of the TNA stuff happened, Mm -hmm. but now it was coming out and that was it. That, that was it. Bruce, Bruce didn't want to hear anything. I couldn't, you know, I tried to say, bro, she was contractual contractually obligated. It was a year ago. What does that have to do with now? If we can, you know, start her with a new career here, that'll be the end of that. Mm-hmm. That was it. That, that mm-hmm. was it, bro. And that's, that's yeah. why that run came to an end. And that was very, very brief. Okay. Uh, I think, bro. I think it was one appearance. That's, that's, yeah, it was. Uh, it was eleven. Yeah, it was eleven. Yeah, um, it was less than a year. Yeah, it was. It was one appearance. I mean, they hyped her up. Yeah, of course. And then it was the, and then it was the appearance, and that yeah. was that was it. You know, yeah. it was uh, really interesting. Um, so so Bruce didn't have he he didn't want anything have, have anything to do with her after that. Now, how long did Bruce uh, stay there before he went back to WWE? Uh, he he was he wasn't there that long, bro. Maybe, maybe a year, mm-hmm. maybe maybe two. Because I'm wondering, like, what was it like when when Bruce when she was not there because of Bruce, like when he left? Why wasn't there another opportunity to to bring her back, bro? I I tr- I tried to get her in Lucha Underground, and they mm-hmm. they 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 laughed at it. You know, really? I mean, I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, bro, she speaks fluent beautiful spanish beautifully bro i mean she would have been perfect for that but again bro you know just you know what what, things she had done in the past bro people are not ec3 tell me if you agree with this or disagree with this people in wrestling are not very forgiving and when, when i talk about that i'm talking about like if if you've done anything questionable you know, you you could sue Vince. You know, suing suing Vince is different than being in an adult film. If we if you sue Vince, you can come back, ah, bro. But if you did that adult, ah, uh, we it's it, it's it's there's a lot of double standard, bro. Sometimes that that impression you make is the one that lasts over you, and nothing you can do can get you past it. And which is so unfortunate because obviously there were hard times, there were dark times that caused her to maybe go that route to like come out of that clean, healthy, happy, ready to work. And then that to be thrown back on you, that there's nothing you can do about what happened in the past and you cannot get past that past. What are you supposed to do besides regressively fall into the, an even darker time? Like Mm -hmm. it's especially, it seems like, you know, she was dealing in a, but it doesn't seem like her sister even said it, you know, in the documentary. She was dealing with rejection for so long growing up. And then, you know, that being untreated, you know, and, and, and you know, there are some, so many signs that there were some uh, mental health struggles, you know, growing up. And they just, it just continues to get worse and worse if it's untreated from a psychological standpoint. And then she gets rejected by the WWE. And then she gets rejected by TNA, and then she gets rejected by Lucha. I mean, it's just like those constant rejections. I don't care how old you are, if you're dealing with those constant rejections on top of feeling abandoned 
and left out and not affirmed and just just a a broken you know spirit inside and and wanting that affirmation it doesn't matter how old you are that's when you go into escapism and that's when you do things like alcohol and booze and a whole bunch of stuff to try to escape from that that craving of acceptance and it seems like when you have those you know for china those that that rejection that she had with those big stages and those big names yet no uh no, we're not going to give you the same amount of pay, although you're, you know, drawing just as much. No, we're not going to, you know, renew your contract. No, we're not going to, you know, there's a revival of TNA of her having an opportunity of she wanted to be a wrestler. You know, she wanted to be a wrestler for a long time and to get rejected by the WWE. And then, you know, over, 10 years later, okay, here's a second win. Here's another opportunity to feel accepted by the wrestling community just to once again get pushed away that takes a toll on you emotionally it really really takes a toll on you especially again when it's untreated and she hasn't she didn't have a really she didn't have the uh opportunity or she really didn't take the initiative to to deal with those things it don't matter how much fame you have man we see that with celebrities all the time it don't matter how much fame you have it's, if there's an untreated emotional unstable brokenness in you there's no amount of likes or, or retweets or applause that's going to deal with that man and it's, it's sad to see that with her for sure yeah i tell a lot of aspiring wrestlers too like they're so bad this is all i want this is my dream i'll do anything to do this and like i get it and i feel the same way but it is so crucial and imperative for you to have something outside of this like a circle group of friends, family, just something you can have that is accepting of you that you can fall back into that. You're not constantly thinking about what's happening here. Cause when it's great, it's the best, but when it's bad, it's the worst. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, let's uh, close out. Let's close out fellas by uh, talking about uh, betting. <laughs> so maybe legalized in pro wrestling. Uh, so I, I did see this, uh, this week, uh, about the rumors that, uh, betting might be a thing in pro wrestling. Now, guess what? Uh, newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, uh, pro wrestling is a scripted, uh, sports entertainment platform that the wrestlers know before they enter the ring, who's going to win the match. And the fans know that the wrestlers know. Well, fans, most most fans know, especially nowadays, that the wrestlers know who's going to win beforehand. Somehow, there's going to be opportunities for people to bet on that. Now, <laughs> EC3, the wrestler of the bunch, Hello. how does that even look like <laughs> when it comes to betting? If I mean, <laughs> Look what they did to Pete Rose, man. This can go. Yeah. How how many different ways can this go? Uh, People in positions of power can rig the outcomes. Yes. Rig the outcome to line their pockets. Uh, How hard would it for me to be like, hey, uh, Spud, who's going over in the Roman Reigns Mm -hmm, match? Like, you know, clue me in for 20%. You bet it. And then what about this? I'm a talent. Okay, 
and I'm going to win. And there's some sort of regulations or some sort of structure that the finishes can't be changed. Mm-hmm. Like the bets lay. What's going to stop me from throwing, I don't know, six figs on me losing and whoops, forgot to kick out. My bad. You know what? $1,000 payday is a uh, Trump's or doesn't Trump the uh, 150,000 I just made betting against myself. So yeah. why not? I'm sure that will last real long and very, very profitable for the big wigs in the casino and sports gambling uh, game. Vince, what say you about this nonsense, man? I don't anticipate ever seeing giving another match seven stars, but if I do, then it'll be a wonderful thing for wrestling. Chris, let the the truth be told. I'm giving a lot of truths on this show. Raju, you got the China with the thing. Now I'm giving you another truth here. The truth bonus. Chris, this has been around. This is not new, but a lot of the betting on uh, wrestling – you, you had to find, uh, uh, you know, like you had to find the, the betting source. A lot of them were overseas. Yeah. Okay. So this is, bro, this was going on when I was at TNA. Mm-hmm. I left TNA in 2012. Mm-hmm. So this was going on well, 12, 15 years ago. Bro, listen, it, here's the scoop of the day. Bro, Glenn Gilbernetti, that otherwise known as the Disco Inferno, otherwise known as Glenn Gilberti, <laughs> was on the booking committee placing these bets, bro. <laughs> placing these bets, doing exactly what EC3 said. That is a fact. He was collecting money hand over uh, fist, bro. Yes. That's Absolutely. a way to ask of a, a, a zero or two on your yearly salary. That's for sure. Yes. The one time I met Disco in person, I was walking around a casino, and he was in there just us. How fitting. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Disco. Yeah. Wow. We yeah. have big noses, don't we? Yeah. So he, I mean, like, he was all over that. He he knew where to, who you, I mean, he was all over that. But, yeah, bro, that's been happening for a while. Wow. Just hey, just let me know where the scoop is, and just uh, give me the uh, finishes and and all the swerves and stuff like that, so I can. Uh, can, make you, yeah, can, can you bet? Like, is there a parlay for a DQ? Mm. I mean, if is there outside interference, double or nothing? Like, what kind of caveats yeah. does this have? Is there a crooked referee? Like. <laughs> <laughs> If the referee has a twin brother and he gets pulled out from underneath the ring lap, like you know, you oh wow, That's, that never happened. That yeah. never happened in pro wrestling. Bro, we yeah. were watching. We were watching a match uh, with Al on, on, you know, Uncle Al on on the show. Bro, this is a true story, Chris. I don't know if you've seen this yet. Bro, it was an indie show. A bit. A guy presses a guy over his head like this. Okay, Chris. The referee comes over. Bro, I swear to God, I'll get you the video. The referee comes over. The guy that's being pressed, the referee lights the guy on fire. <laughs> Listen to this, bro. Then the guy, Chris, there's a table outside the ring. So now the guy is on fire. The guy presses him, throws him outside the ring. He's supposed to throw him on the table. Missed the table. The guy's still on fire. Nobody's putting him out. And the reason why I bring this up is, Bro, could you imagine if you bet that finish, what the odds of that? <laughs> Chris, the odds would have been a millionaire. Well, you would have bet a bucket, been a millionaire, bro. 
Oh man. And I guess it makes I guess spots like that. If betting if, if betting were legalized in pro wrestling, those spots will actually be more profitable than what they really are because uh, just a, a ridiculous, pointless spot like that got that dude scorched, you know, probably first, second degree, even third degree burns. And he probably was in front of 50 people and got paid, you Not know, even. 100 Not bucks even. maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like that compared to, you know, the odds of putting in that money and getting paid a bunch. That would make that would make uh, betting make sense that he would get more money than he would. What well, can you can you imagine EC three? Can you imagine being a wrestler and have to be worrying about the referee setting you on fire? Man, that's that's. What if like Albert Pujols is ever like stepping up to the plate and he's wondering if the you know referee? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's uh, the um, there's the ump right right behind yeah. him. Here we go. <laughs> Can you imagine, bro? Uh, yeah, I mean the the, the crazy the, the crazy part of that uh, is that these these marks is just like there. This is and I think I've I've talked about this before with you and I, Vince. I'm like, okay, so do you really think like you're at that promotion and you really think? Okay, look, guess what, guys? I want you guys to set me on fire because I heard William Regal's going to be here today, and he's going to love this, man. He's yeah. going to give me a call. He's going to come up to me afterwards and say, yeah, I want the guy who set himself on fire. Like, no, that's not going to happen. That's Regal's scouting for guys that they can just burn alive. That's, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> I want the fire guy. Yeah, give me him. You know what I mean? Like, that's not... And the crazy thing is a lot of these people who are just obsessed with the business and willing to do crazy things like that, for some reason, they think that that's going to be the big break. And it's like, no, they're looking for the, the promo guy, the guy who's, you know, who has a good ring psychology, who's good in the ring. There's so many different factors. And good just rope work. Good rope work. Absolutely. Really big uh, so many different factors than setting yourself up in fire. <laughs> Bump. Bro, hold on, hold on. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on for a second. <laughs> Yo, he's about to give us a nice spot. He's oh, going, he's going to come back home here. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> he's going, he's going to show us the fire spot. Uh, but you know, it's cool. Uh, sports kid can edit this out. Uh, I hope when he comes back on. Yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll throw it out. Come on, Vince. Come on, come on in, Vince. I know that this. Uh, this this affected you so much uh talking about this because this may have traumatized you you might have been the guy who took the spot back there was a i call it out of context l so when i walk by the office i'm going to the gym mm -hmm. this is what he was screaming about and i was like i didn't understand because it was completely out of context but he's just talking about guys being on fire and like what what is going on in there man yeah, yeah. i don't know what in the world yeah this is a. Uh, this is really interesting that uh, <clears throat> he's, he's not coming back on. I hope he he'll come back. Yeah, he'll come back. I'm just ready. We can, to, wait. We can wait. Ready to close. I'm ready to close it out. There we go. Here we go. Here we go. Bro, I, I was going to show you. I'm trying to show you. I, I I had the clip, and then I lost you. Hold on, bro. I got to get my YouTube. Hold I, on. I do want to share. Can you share the screen? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna let me let me uh, let me let me pull it up. Uh, hold on. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. Here we go. All I gotta do is get a referee set my ass. Uh, here we go. Hold on. Hold on. Right. Oh, I gotta. What do I gotta do now? I gotta share my screen. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> present. It's on the. It's on the bottom. Um, you can share screen. Oh shoot! I'm not careful. Oh. Browser, buddy. Oh man, I don't. You see, present on the bottom. Yeah, hold on, hold on for a second, Chris. I gotta, I gotta hold on for a second. Hold on. You good? Yeah, no worries. I mean, this is this can be edited anyways. I uh, hold on. Let me, let me, let me see if I can get this. Oh, shit, hold on. Yeah, no, I, I, God, I'm trying to figure out how to get it to you. I'm just having a problem because so it's, it's on my same. It's on the same server I'm on. Uh, just email it to me, and I'll, I'll pull it up. I hold off for a second. You good? Uh, hold on, I'll do that. Hold on, let me get this back. Let me let me go here. Yeah, it's it's worth it's worth it. It's worth it. It's <laughs> all yeah. Sounds good to me. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure it'll be worth it. Uh, here we go. Hold on. Go back to email. YouTube. Let me know when you uh, emailed it. Let me get to my. Uh... All I gotta do is get a referee set my hand. Oh darn it! Hold on, man. Am I wrong? Am I the asshole that today somebody like people randomly call me to chat? Like I get mad because that makes me think they assume I'm not doing anything worth doing. Like I'm not busy. Like I'm just sitting there looking at my phone or watching television, which I'm not. I'm doing something always. Yeah. I told some, hey man, I have boundaries. If you're gonna call me, schedule it. Okay. Shoot me a text. Be available. That's yeah. fair. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Gotta set boundaries. <clears throat> you do. You do, man. Subs. Ugh. Okay. I, I sent it. Okay, cool. Um, uh, well, you sent it to my Gmail or my sports key there. Oh, shoot. I don't I don't know. Check, right. check them both. Uh, so it's not on my Gmail. Let me check on my sports key that one. Uh, yep. You got it? Yep. 
Uh, you guys will love this. I tr trust me, this was worth. I'm sorry, EC3. I yeah, know you, good, buddy. you will love this though, bro. What was that? What was the uh, the ad? Okay. Uh, that guy's shirt on fire. Yeah. Uh, it's the uh, skin burning. What in the world? Okay, there we go. Okay. You there. love this, bro. And Al's, Al's commentary is ridiculous. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Okay. Cool office. I hope we. I hope we see it. All I got to do is get a referee set my asshole on fire. Wow. Russo'sBrand.com, where the pros are the pros. Lions, tigers, bears, and head. I don't know what it is in the water this week or or, or the last couple of weeks. But man, there it is. watch on of videos like this idiot. Well, yeah, yeah I, was, I was gonna put that. Hey, listen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I was gonna put this over now. The guy, the guy's I, desperate. The guy, I can't the put this desperate. over. Desperate no, times call for desperate measures out. I yeah. cannot, there's no way that yes. I don't, I can imagine anybody would be desperate enough to allow the, okay. the, the official, the referee to set them on fire. While <laughs> the opponent presses them over their head, all right, now let's launches them to the floor. Okay. No, you won't. Look, look, look. Yeah. Watch, look. Okay, now, let me, Jeff, let me explain. Now, Jeff. He's running over to put him out. Yeah, hold on, Vince, because you got to see this. They all have to run over there and put him out. Do you know an extinguisher? Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you run that again one more time? Oh, no, I want you to run it like three, four more times. One more <laughs> Look time. Look at this, bro. The ref sets him on fire. Yeah, why is the referee lighting him on fire and oh, then he totally misses God. the table? It's not even close. Oh, All right, Jeff, let me explain. What are they expecting that when he hit the table, it would douse the flames? <laughs> Jeff, let they me all run over there like, "Hey, wait a minute! He's still a he's still a blaze. We have to." Put <laughs> What Jeff, are they in like a classroom? Jeff, it looks like they're in. A oh, let me explain. Oh, Jeff, let me explain. Let me explain. Let me let me let me let me play the role of Al Snow. <laughs> well, Jeff, the uh, the the referee at that point would have been had to be at the point of total desperation. Yeah, total desperation, bro, to set another right here, yes. on fire. So yeah. yeah. Right there, reach it in. You gotta get him on fire. Is that Rudy uh, Charles? Is that Rudy Charles? Bro, how no, close? This, this not even being close to the table. I love this. It. Bro, how close? Right there. How close is the ceiling to being set on fire, bro? Yeah. Bro, that those tiles catch fire. That oh. place is going up, bro. Please. Oh my. Please. Yeah. I mean, EC3, what, what, what is that conversation with these guys before that match? I, I can't even comprehend the conversation those men would have had to discussing that and thinking it was a good idea. 
and like the logic behind it, like, well, does this work for our story? Like, what's the business of it? <laughs> what's the business? I mean, okay, the plank on the ceiling catches on fire. What if that happened? What if they toss him? He doesn't hit the table. All those guys come running over. What if they all went up on flames? What if yeah. the big, huge, huge dude in the white shirt who's just standing there going, doesn't even react to the fact a flaming man came flying by him, landed on the floor, or the dork in the face, man. Like, they're just like, there's nothing. Oh, it rules. That's and cool. you know the you know those guys got gas money. That's what they got paid. They oh, got gas sure. money, bro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they use it all on setting themselves on fire. Well, yeah, <laughs> use it on the gas to set so fire. Yeah, but of course, in their minds, oh, well, William Regal's going to see this state, man. It's going. Unbelievable. Undertaker's gonna find that on Twitter and just go huge, huge pop. <laughs> That's what it's a man who was literally set on fire and wrestled a 30-minute match afterwards, too. Yes, uh, indeed. Yes, indeed. And that one was on accident. So all right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what a show tonight. Uh huge pop for this show. We have former WCW world heavyweight champion Vince Russo. Former TNA World Heavyweight Champion EC3. This is the Dr. Chris Featherstone. We are the Wrestling Outlaws and the Sheriff. Have a good night, everybody. Solo.